With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Welcome to Top 5, a show where we count things down from number 5 to number 1. And this week, all the way from our Discord server in the Top 5 channel, Top 5 sci-fi shows that are not Star Trek or Star Wars. I believe this is from Carl. And uh, I I will want to quote Matthew here uh, before we begin. Uh, Matthew said, whoever picked this topic is a horrible, horrible person, and they should feel bad. No, I said they suck. Well, I was trying to be a little bit nicer. Well, why would you be nicer? Well, because, you know, Carl is a really good, nice person. You're not the nice one. Rodrigo's the nice one. I'm the sassy one. You're the authority one. That's how Authority can be nice. Authorities can be nice. Anyway, once you start running down um, a list of shows, I think this is one that we could do multiple times and I would have different answers. Oh, yeah. I, I literally had 20 things on my list and I had to start splitting hairs to the point where I'm like, I can't use the Twilight Zone because only 109 of 156 it's, it's considered episodes a, it's, are sci-fi. It is considered a sci-fi show. Not enough of the shows for my... Well, it doesn't matter your taste. I mean, you can certainly do that, but it is listed as a, as a sci-fi, as a sci-fi show. My number five this week. So all of mine, except for one, uh, have come out in the last uh, five years. All of mine have come out in the last five years. Uh, my number five. No, no, because, you know, there's a whole bunch of them that, that, like I said, if we did this as a different list, we should probably have narrowed this down like top five sci-fi shows of the 2010s, top five right. uh, sci-fi shows of the 2000s, top five. And we may go back and do that in the past because my number five is Westworld, HBO's Westworld, uh, which I find super fascinating when we talk about, you know, what is what is life, what is not life. Um, you know, when does, uh, you know, when is someone a, a person and when are they just a series of tubes uh, or, or uh, you know, tubes or circuits? Uh, and Westworld really examines that, like, wh- you know, when does an AI become sentient? When do does it have its own rights or should it have its own rights? And then, of course, you set this against the backdrop of the Westworld, this uh, fantasy land where people can go and kill these robots and do whatever they want to these to these androids, uh, you know, many times uh, very disturbing. And what happens when the AI finally wakes up and says, uh, I've I've uh, had all I can stands. I can't stands no more. Pops open that spinach can and starts hauling uh, a whoop butt all over the place. Uh, it's a very fascinating series and it definitely fall, uh, qualifies as a sci-fi show that is not Star Trek or Star Wars and is my number five. Rodrigo, what do you have for your number five? Uh, my number five is number five on the list, uh, mainly because it's not consistently good. Um, so my number five is Fringe, mm, mm-hmm. um, which was a series that I very much enjoyed up until I definitely stopped enjoying it. Um, <laughs> that happens probably a lot, after right? season two, I want to say. Um, 
at some point they kind of tie it all up to so so fringe is basically the x-files for a new generation um a detective with a with a definite uh american accent and the captain from the mighty ducks and the <laughs> and the mean guy from the lord of the rings have to like <laughs> solve so well, one of the mean guys from the lord of the rings have to solve mysteries together and they're like supernatural they're like very weird sci-fi crazy stuff and eventually they tie that all together and you start to figure out why all of these unexplained phenomena are happening and immediately after they tell you that and they explain and they go that the show just completely went downhill for me like once they revealed the big mystery and they kept like kind of messing with it it just kind of became a lot less interesting but while the mystery was still up in the air surprise surprise for a uh, J.J. Abrams uh, joint. Um, it was very compelling. So my number five is French. All right, Matthew, what do you have for your number five? My number five was actually almost Westworld. And then I, it, it occurred to me that A, uh, one of you would probably do it. And B, I'd have to talk about the Yul Brenner movie, which I didn't want to do. So my number five, I think in this case, is kind of an expectation for me of where I came from in terms of sci-fi, because one of the earliest science fiction things that I ever enjoyed and ever interacted with was in 1977. And I'm actually counting two things that are the same thing, because this is a filmation joint and the rules don't apply. Uh, but in 1977, on Saturday mornings, you could get up early and you could watch Space Academy which is a show that starred uh, Jonathan Harris, better known as Dr. Smith from Lost in Space, as running this academy for young kids in space who were, hence the name, Space Academy. And then the next season, it became a show in the same sets with the same gimmick and the same you know dressing and everything. It became Jason of Star Command and Jonathan Harris, Dr. Smith, was replaced by James Doohan, Montgomery Scott. But the robots remained the same, and all of the props remained the same. And Space Academy and or Jason of Star Command was very much a 50-cent affair. It was Filmation's low, low, low prices. Um, the, the plots were actually relatively clever. It had all of the stock music that you heard on any Filmation cartoon. That song that goes... Always in there. It had bits and pieces of things that ended up somewhere else. One of the spaceships from V, if you remember V from the 80s, started out as a prop on Space Academy and somebody reused it. But when you get to Jason of Star Command, you also get the cute little robot Wiki, who's this teeny tiny little robot played by a little wind-up robot. So you could have the robot and you could play with your little wind-up robot that you could buy at the dime store and be like, hey, it's Wiki. And throughout, you would have these weird cliffhanger moments that certain parts of it were like an old movie serial where it'd be like, will Jason survive this week? And of course, he always does. He escapes unharmed. But when you get right down to it, it was kind of a distillation of science fiction of the 30s and 40s and 50s into Saturday morning 70s. And it was really the first science fiction that I ever really hooked onto in a television sense. And that's why my number five, Jason of Star Command forward slash Space Academy. All right. We are now on to our number fours. And number fours is a fairly recent one for me. It just came out in March of 2020. It's Devs, which is on Hulu. 
Now, this is a very fascinating story that at first seems like a weird... I mean, it's definitely science fiction, but at first it seems like a weird mystery thing. And then all of a sudden when you reach the end, you're like, and I'm not going to spoil the ending for people who haven't watched this, but man, the ending is freaky. So Lily uh, Chan's boyfriend is, they both work for this company called Devs, which is um, run by Nick Offerman. And he's had a terrible tragedy in his life. And as uh, she starts to investigate why her boyfriend disappeared, she starts to learn about this Devs program And it looks like they're trying to not only see the past, but also see the future. And the series ends up and kind of like Westworld when it talks about, you know, when is someone sentient or when is someone alive? The series explores ideas about free will and determinism and predestination. And, you know, are we all on our own path? Is this something that's set in stone from a very early age or do we have the ability to to change things? And then while you're asking these questions, by the time you hit the, I think it's either the final, the final two or the final episode, it totally flips everything on its head. And then you have to ask yourself another big, important question that uh, always surrounds big computer companies. And it's really well done. I want to say it's like eight episodes. uh, And at first it feels really weird. It's got a super slow burn. It's got some weird visuals because... Um, the character that Nick Offerman plays, uh, Forrest, he has built a giant statue that kind of looks like a cartoonish version of his daughter who has died um, as, you know, I mean, this thing stands above the building and stands above the trees. That's how tall it is. And and they keep cutting to this weird visual of this weird baby doll looking thing just staring off into space. Uh, so there's some very creepy elements to it. Uh, and there's some, you know, there's some espionage elements to it. Uh, but it's really good. And if you haven't asked yourself questions about free will and determinism that we've talked about here, and then the final reveal, we've talked about that many times on the major spoilers uh, podcasts uh, all over the place. It's definitely worth watching. It is really, really good. It's devs. It's on Hulu right now. You can binge the whole series in like a day or less than a day. It's the episodes run about 45 minutes to an hour each. Definitely worth watching, and it is my number four, my number four sci-fi show. Uh, Rodrigo, what do you have for number four? My number four is only a sci-fi show in the barest, <laughs> most absolutely nominal of senses. <laughs> is it Small um, Wonder? It's Small Wonder, isn't it? I, small Wonder had a lot of, like, I had plenty of sci-fi in it, especially as it went on. Like, it kind of when family matters oh i should have had family matters because that show becomes a sci-fi show um next time next time uh so no my number four is uh, third rock from the sun um it's got a great cast um the, the premise is um you've got these space aliens that have come to earth to learn about humans um, I, I believe originally as a sort of a, like a precursor to an invasion, I think is the original premise. Um, but of course, they don't know anything about humans, but when they materialize on Earth, they are it's like four adults and a, or three adults and a teenager. So it's, you know, fully grown adults that have never interacted with any of the like laws or rules or social uh mores or um kind of like institutions or anything that that we 
growing up in our society take for granted, right? So they're constantly running up against the, these um, these things that they don't understand, and so they act very weirdly about them, or they make weird assumptions about things. Um, it's uh, yeah, I guess it's a pretty funny show. Got a great cast. Um, you know, uh, everybody's in it. <laughs> Everybody you like, John Lithgow, um, French Stewart, you know, Inspector Gadget too. How can you go wrong with that? That guy from Inception. No, not that guy. The other guy. No, the <laughs> other guy. Um, everybody's in it. Um, and of course, Newman from Seinfeld eventually kind of it becomes like a regular guest star. Um, but um, yeah, just, you know, what, what else can I say? Went on six seasons. Premise ran a little thin, but definitely those first like, two or three seasons are on point. There you go. All right. Thank you for that, uh, Rodrigo. Matthew, what do you have for your number four? My number four probably should have been higher on my list because of its importance to me. But unfortunately, it's only at number four because it is something of a cheat. Because it's actually a television show based on a book based on a radio program. Yeah, but it's still a TV uh, my, show, so it still counts. Right. I still think it's a cheat. These are, I can do these things. You don't have to correct me. It's fine. Number four, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams. Uh, ran six episodes, which makes it the fourth longest-running British television series of all times, uh, circa 1981. And the thing about it that's really interesting is if you watch this after having heard the radio series, you're getting a completely different ending and a different experience. And I feel like that's really one of the great things about The Hitchhiker's Guide, especially this show, is that, first of all, it's 1981, so they don't really have the money to do the effects. So a character with three arms and two heads are played by a guy with literally a mannequin head on his shoulder. And you get to a point where we're like, oh, Okay, what's going to happen here? Oh, they blew up the Earth. Oh, now they're going to blow up the Earth again. And when you get to the end of these six episodes, you actually end up at the end of what would eventually become the second book, where they blow up the Earth again, but they do it in such a way that it makes the original blowing up of the Earth actually meaningless, because the reason is completely negated by the presence of someone else. And I feel like that's actually kind of cool. I like a story that says, you know what, everything's meaningless, so let's just be goofy. But more importantly, if you watch these six episodes and you get to the end of it, you will say to yourself, is there more? And the answer is no. Um, there is not more unless you go and read the book, which then once again becomes a completely different experience. There's something different in each story. So if you watch The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, I wouldn't call it a perfect series. <laughs> But I, I would. feel like it's a real it's really good. I mean, it's really good. I feel like the books are awesome. I feel like the television show has room for improvement, but best of all, it's just unique unto itself. And you know, you get disaster area blowing up a planet for their concert. So that's kind of fun. Yeah. Here's here's the order of the best ways to enjoy the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Uh what is it called? Um something one. It's not series one, but they they call it a specific name on, on the BBC. I think uh, it's fit. The yeah, first, probably fit, fit, the fit the first. Yeah. So it's radio drama mm -hmm. of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, then mm -hmm. followed by the TV show, then mm -hmm. the book. And then mm -hmm. for whatever reason, they never did anything with the series after that ever, ever again. <laughs> uh, although there, they there do have they do movie. have 
they did have uh, no, there wasn't. It wasn't a good one. Uh, they they have all of the. Um, I think now, I don't know if they've done the fifth book yet, uh, but mm-hmm. they have all four of the primary uh, books done as BBC radio adaptations. Uh, of course, yes. those were only done in the last, I want to say, 15, 20 years. Uh, but uh, the very first one, there is something special about that radio drama. And if you go and read yeah. the making of that, it is amazing all the things that they were doing in radio to get those out, literally editing it minutes before some of those episodes aired. So very, <laughs> very cool. All right. Thank you for that, Matthew. Uh, my number three is the only one that comes uh, from a time period many years ago. Uh, it is the X-Files, uh, that aired on Fox and it's a, you know, if you don't know what the X-Files is, it is about, uh, two FBI agents, Fox Mulder and Dana Scully, who are tasked with investigating strange phenomena, whether that be UFOs from space or uh, weird fluke men that lurk in your toilet, uh, or even or if Charles it, Nelson Riley or even Charles Nelson Riley, my favorite episode in the entire series, or, oh, maybe the creepy family that lives out in the country. Ah, uh, no. Yeah, no, that's Matthew's no. favorite one. Don't make me watch that episode. No. The nice thing about the X-Files is it came when it came out when it did was at the time when, you know, a lot of conspiracy theory stuff was starting to be on the rise. Art Bell Coast to Coast AM was a huge phenomena. You certainly had uh, the last days of the of the century quickly approaching and people starting to freak out about that and end times. And, you know, UFO and abductions and all of these kinds of things. So the X-Files landed right in a niche that many people were not expecting. In fact, the first season, a lot of people weren't even paying attention to the show in the first season uh, because they had it in a wrong time slot. And then finally, Fox figured it out and people just started watching this thing in droves. And it went for many, many seasons. Uh, You can still find it online. I was thinking the other day that might be worth revisiting that show just to see if it holds up today. I know towards the end of the series, once um, uh, what's his name, um, who played Fox Mulder left and they brought in the Terminator that Dutch oven. Yes. uh, David Duchovny. uh, And they brought in the the guy who played the T-1000 that some people really kind of lost interest in the show. But I think it was a solid show all the years that it ran. And uh, that's why it is on my number three Top five sci-fi show that is not Star Wars or Star Trek. Uh, Rodrigo, what do you have for number three? My number three is a show that is on my list. Uh, I mean, I, this is solidly a sci-fi show. Um, but it's on my list because it it walks that glorious line of, of science fiction of, is this good or is this bad? And if it's bad, is it like good, bad? Um, and if it's good, is it actually any good? And that's Primeval, which was a show uh, from Great Britain. It aired in BBC America in the United States. A thousand years ago, I made a review, and I called it a BBC show. And I got yelled at because I guess it didn't originally air on, on, the, B- on like, the BBC. But here in the U.S., we Yankees uh, watched it on... on uh, BBC America. So the premise is time portals are opening and critters from the ancient days of the earth are coming through and causing havoc. Now I hold there's, I I found no documentation to back this up, but my personal conspiracy theory is that the BBC was sitting on all these assets from the walking with dinosaurs and walking with beasts 
or like Walking with Prehistoric Beast show. And they're just like, well, what do we do with all these CG dinosaurs? We should, like, we should get something out of it. And then they made this show in which, like, a bunch of, like, attractive people are trying to, like, shoot dinosaurs back into time portals. Um, that's kind of kind of what the show is. Attractive people try to shoot dinosaurs back into time portals. Eventually, um, the time rifts start pointing in the opposite direction and scary monsters from the future start showing up. Um giving them an opportunity to present, you know, critters that basically have different superpowers um, to, the, to, to, to the, the, the abilities that we believe dinosaurs and, and mammoths and whatever to have. Um, watching, so this started as a miniseries and then they kept adding and then it kind of get can- got canceled and got brought back. So continuity-wise, it's not great. Um, Characters that are important get killed and then get brought back or characters that um, were important get sidelined for like a brand new characters to come in. So as far as that goes, eh, you know, that's kind of what I'm talking about. Is this show actually good? But the thing is, is it's entertaining to watch. It really is. Um, Even when the dinosaurs or, or the critters that they have on aren't don't look great it's still good you know you're still like ah <laughs> look at that guy what's he doing um mm-hmm. so yeah my number three primeval probably up for streaming somewhere i'm gonna guess oh i bet it i'm almost certain yeah. that it is probably on the bbc yeah maybe BBC. yeah on the bbc matthew what do you have for number three my number three is something that i was exposed to in college um and it's actually weird because uh I have kind of a, a just a love-hate affair with avant-garde kind of uh, works. Not necessarily postmodern, but definitely a little bit past the edge of modern, somewhere in between the E and the R of the modernism. And so my number three is actually an animated television series that I first saw in bits and pieces on season one of Liquid Television in 91, Eon Flux. Eon Flux is just beautiful and utterly incomprehensible and yet somehow i i cannot not look at it you know if it were on any of the channels which it's not and it's a crime that it's not every time it would pop up i would stop and i would watch that actually happened for a while in the 90s i was late to class many times but the thing about eon flux is the show is as much about structure as it is about any type of storytelling, and yet it's still interesting. There is a whole episode that is based on the structure of a sestina. So you go through the episode, and the scenes are actually placed as though they are a poem. And you come back around, and you see repeating scenes, and then you get to the end, and you're like, oh, okay, and then you bring it around, and it's literally just just utterly fascinating. You sit and you watch this and go, oh my god, what is going on here? The continuity is very loose. Uh, the main character dies every episode for the first couple of seasons. There's a kind of a subplot and also kind of this weird simmering subtext that the villain of the piece is in love with the hero of the piece. And maybe they are and maybe they aren't, except for when they definitely are. And I believe that they explicitly have sex and it's really gross at one point. And it's very, very good stuff. And if you ever get a chance to watch it, it's probably not streaming anywhere. You can probably only find it on VHS tapes in my basement and maybe on YouTube before it gets taken down. 
But if you get a chance to watch Eon Flux, the animated series, nothing against Charlize Theron, don't watch the live action movie because it's not the same thing. It's not. It's something different. It's like somebody took all the things that were good and kind of shoved them into a box and poked all the pegs into the round holes and everything's fine. But Eon Flux, the original show, the shorts on liquid television into her own show, science fiction, creepy, body horror, terrifying avant-garde nonsense, and I love it. And if it was on right now, I would literally hang up on you guys and go watch the show. So we have made it to our number two, and my number two is Altered Carbon. Uh, it debuted in 2018 on uh, Netflix. It only made it two seasons before they canceled it. But Altered Carbon, I believe I've talked about it before, uh, based on a book. Uh, the TV show, in my opinion, is much, much better than the book. But this is takes you to the far future where people are able to have all of their memory, memories stored on these little discs that slot into the back of your neck. Uh, it's based on some alien technology that people found once they went out into the stars. And what this does is, providing that that disc is not destroyed, it allows you to transfer all of your memories to another body. Now, for the ultra-rich, that is a clone of their body, because creating a, a clone of yourself is super expensive, so only the the ultra-elite uh, of the future are able to really afford the clones uh, without you know a huge cost or burden on them. Uh, everyone else, they just get shipped around to whatever body is available if there is a body available and if they can afford it. So this series follows Takeshi uh, Kovacs, who is a um, used to be a soldier, but is now kind of a freedom fighter and then was thrown in jail for a thousand years or 500 years. I forget how long it how long he has been in uh, in jail, but he spun back up and he is hired by an ultra elite person to solve his own murder. Somehow the guy looks like he committed suicide and blew out his own stack. Um, and, you know, obviously there was a, an upload that the guy did about an hour or two hours before uh, the murder took place. And the wealthy guy wants Kovacs to figure out, uh, did he really commit suicide or did somebody kill him? And it's a really cool mystery. It's got some really cool action. It's got a lot of Super cool fantasy or sci-fi elements to it, uh, very much like um, uh, Blade Runner, uh, but taken up a couple of notches. I find it very, very fascinating. There's a lot of nudity and a lot of violence in this show. So if uh, two, if a, if a naked woman having a sword fight with another woman uh, might be uh, something that turns you off, especially when that woman gets murdered again and again and again and again. And all of her clones keep coming out. If that's dis disturbs you, you probably don't want to watch this. Uh, it's got some full frontal of both men and women in this. So it's not like it's being one sided towards the male gaze. But Altered Carbon is a really great sci fi show in the first season. The second season um, looks at how do people's perspectives change when and it really kind of maybe focuses more on colonialism in the second season than in the first season. Uh, but the first season is a straight up murder mystery. It's a really good show. Uh, highly worth checking out. Number two on my list of uh, sci-fi shows that are not Star Trek or Star Wars. Rodrigo, what do you have for your number two? Uh, let's see. My number two is a TV show that I first encountered as part of Adult Swim. Actually, it's possible that I first encountered it in college by somebody being like, blah, 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 you got to watch this show. But there was a lot of that going on. Um but I remember the first time I sat down 
and heard the intro to uh, Cowboy Bebop, I was totally sold. Um, we've talked about Cowboy Bebop before on this show and probably on every show we've ever done um, because it's a great uh, it's a great series. It's a uh, I believe what is technically called a Japanese cartoonogram. Um, and uh, man, you're gonna get the, the you're gonna get the BBC people and the anime kids all up in yeah, arms over Yeah, everybody. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be a rough few days on Twitter for me. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's a uh, an animated show, and it has the adventures of a crew of bounty hunters who are. Uh, it's like they're all individually pretty good, but. Uh, either circumstance or their own self-interest or whatever conspires to always kind of have them either fail missions or just complete them in the absolutely bare minimum way. Um, And so they're always hungry. They're always hunting for something else. They're always trying to get a leg up, but they never can. And of course, as the series progresses, you start to learn more about each of them and find out that all of them, including the dog, have tragic backstories. Um, mm. most of which come back to haunt them. Um, it's, uh, it's a great story. It's a great arc. I, a lot of the shows that I mentioned previously, actually literally all three of the shows that I mentioned previously, just completely fall apart um, because they keep getting re... Um, sort of b- because they have endings and then they get like, picked up again. And so they have to like go again and not the full team is back but cowboy bebop from beginning to end it's one story one arc um you know the creative team is the same throughout and it shows it's very good the music is excellent um you can probably just go to spotify and put on cowboy bebop which i believe is on there now and just listen to that all day it's fantastic yeah my number two cowboy bebop yoko kano and the uh, seatbelts are the uh, Mm -hmm. is the band that does all the music and you're right it is phenomenal they have like I want to say four to six albums based on the music from Cowboy Bebop uh, back in the day before streaming became a, a really cool thing. And and the RIAA wasn't trying to uh, shut everyone down who put up music online. I actually had to import most of those albums uh, from Japan to to get them in in CD form. Uh, but yeah, it's it's great yeah. music. So definitely. Go and then when that. you put them on your CD player, it wasn't the right. <laughs> no, they played fine. They play oh, okay. fine. Yeah, I, I may backwards. I may have had to yeah. rip them into MP3 format so I could listen to them in many other in many other ways and forms. So very good, mm-hmm. uh, Matthew. What do you have for number two? Don't incriminate yourself. My number two actually was not on my initial list or any of the three iterations of the list that followed uh, for two reasons. One, I started this list at work and I can't really think for more than about ten seconds at a time at work. And two, until I saw it listed as science fiction it had never occurred to me that my number two the prisoner would even count for this category and yet it does it is it will and it shall because the prisoner 17 episodes so the second longest television show in british history i believe it's 17 episodes over 37 years uh the prisoner is i want to say it it's one of the perfect television shows Is every episode perfect? No. Is every moment perfect? No. But the show itself as a whole is a perfect viewing experience. It's the story of an unnamed spy who is played by a character from a previous show where he played a James Bond type spy. There are a lot of people who say it's the same character. 
I don't believe that it is, but you can believe what you want. It's your thing. Steven's going to say something that infuriates me in a few moments, but it's not going to be wrong. It's just going to be incorrect. Uh, He wakes up in a prison, which is a beautiful coastal city, and everyone there is a spy who has been captured, taken there, and is kept in the village for purposes unknown. They can't kill him. They can't let him go. They live in the village, and that's what you do. And every episode, the authority figure changes. Well, not every episode, but nearly every episode, you have a new number two in charge of the village. And the overarching question becomes, who is number one? Number six, the main character, does not like to be called number six. He doesn't want to be numbered. He will not be filed, stamped, indexed, briefed, debriefed, uh, folded, spindled, or mutilated. But he fights against the system so hard that it kills him. And then the show goes on, but he's not actually dead anymore. And it's really, really cool. And once again, we get to the end and it gets very avant-garde and very, uh, what is that thing that you get when you're like the, the last half hour of Barton Fink? Is that symbolism? I don't know. You get into a point where you're like, hey, this is not literally what they're showing you. And yet it is something else entirely. And if you watch all 17 episodes of The Prisoner in order, first of all, there's like five different orders you can pick from. Pick your favorite. Uh, And you get to the end of it and you say to yourself, I have no idea what happened. The next words out of your mouth will inevitably be, but I really enjoyed it. And that, my friends, is the mark of a good series. You may not get it. You may not understand it. But you still love it. And that's why my number two is The Prisoner. And now Stephen's going to say the thing that always makes me angry. Well, now it's time for our number ones. <laughs> our number one top five sci-fi shows that are not Star Trek or Star Wars. I saw what you did there. I mean, he technically probably did use every word. <laughs> I, I, guess he does, I guess he said number one. He's brilliant. He's it's time for our number one. We've reached the top of the list. Oh, we are done with number twos. No number sixes on our list. My number one, though, is one that came out in 2016. And by the time everybody found it, it had become a phenomenon that people just can't stop talking about. People are concerned that they're not going to be able to see the new season that was supposed to come out in November this year. I don't think it's coming out in November. I think we're going to have to wait until 2021 before we're able to see this. But this is about a group of kids in the 1980s, in the crazy town of Hawkins, Indiana, and some weird stuff is going down. There are people being experimented upon to uh, amplify their mental capabilities. There are openings to this thing called the Upside Down that are letting in these horrible creatures. Uh, Just all sorts of craziness goes on in Hawkins, Indiana. And, of course, I'm talking about Stranger Things. I watched the first season, loved every minute of it. Watched the second season, loved every minute of it. When the third season came out in July of 2019, uh, I was uh, had taken my son to a soccer camp up in Kansas City. And so on July 4th, I had nothing to do because we weren't doing website updates and I was out of town and it was much harder for me to do websites from a hotel room. But I could stream a bunch of stuff. So I sat down and started watching Stranger Things like I think on the second or the third And just was going to watch one season a day until the fourth came out and the new season dropped. And by the time the fourth arrived, uh, the boy had figured out that, oh, this is a pretty cool show. 
So he blew through all of the seasons in an evening because there was nothing to do. And uh, we ended up watching the third season together. And I think he's pretty excited about seeing what happens in season four. I just hope the kids aren't uh, 21 year olds and 22 year olds by the time they get to the fourth, fourth season. And they're still supposed to be in middle school or first year high school or whatever that they're, they're supposed to be. But man, that first season of Stranger Things is so good. And man, the third season of Stranger Things, especially the first op- uh, the first episode in the opening of that is so disappointing. But all in all, Stranger Things balances out to be a pretty good sci-fi show. And that's why it is my number one. Rodrigo, what is your number one? Uh, my number one is a show that when I first saw that it was coming, I really wasn't interested in it. Um, because it looked like the creator's previous show in a lot of ways, and that show I wasn't really interested in. I thought, you know what, I don't know that I want to watch The Simpsons in space. Uh, But then I watched the first episode of Futurama, and I was like, yeah, there's something to it. And after the first season, I was really sold. Um, You know, Futurama fulfills that aspect of science fiction, of basically providing commentary for what is happening now right the like the twilight zone did in its time except through comedy rather than rod serling like just looking at you really intensely um it has all these archetypes it's got a robot it's got aliens it's got uh the man out of time and kind of mixes these things by commentary or to provide commentary and to provide humor about what was going on at the time. Now, the show came out like in the year 2000, so uh, or like 1999. Um, so Fry, the main character, gets sent to the year 3000. So, of course, it's all the parallels that are happening in the year 3000 to the parallels to, to the things that are happening um, during that time, and ma- mainly in the United States. Um, it's a really fun show. I think about it a lot, and not just because it's immensely memeable, and I see it all the time on Twitter. Um, it's, a, for the most part, a good show um, with a good sort of direction for its humor, Um and uh, actually, like everything except for Cowboy Bebop, was also killed and brought back and brought back again. And once that starts happening, the quality is kind of like, eh, 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 eh. but um, definitely those first handful of seasons of, of Futurama are worth watching and checking out if you haven't seen it. Yep, definitely worth it. All right, Matthew, you're going to wrap up the show this week with your number one. What do you have? My number one is a show that I was first exposed to in, oh God, the 80s. But at that point in time, it was a show that had been on for decades. It is the future, has been, was, and probably will continue to be the future of science fiction. I am talking about Doctor Who. Now, the thing about Doctor Who that's interesting is in 1982, when I started watching it, it had already been ruined forever at least 15 times. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, modern fans will argue about anything doctor who fans have been doing that for literally decades longer than many people have been alive we've been arguing about whether the third doctor ruined everything whether the fourth doctor ruined everything 
So when modern Doctor Who falls apart every two seasons and screams that everything is ruined forever, it's kind of comforting to me because nothing is ever ruined and the show is still really good. No matter what it is that you want out of science fiction, you can probably get it somewhere in Doctor Who. If you want a cool romance, if you want wacky action sci-fi, if you want serious drama, if you want world-burning crazy nonsense, if you want multiple realities, if you want four guys playing the same character at the same time at different points in his personal life, it's got it for you. And I really appreciate the fact that now, uh, in the reign of the 13th Doctor, who's actually the 15th or 16th actor to play the character, now we have a female Doctor, and everything is ruined forever. Mm -hmm. And I can't wait until there's a new Doctor so everybody can talk about how everything is ruined forever and how great it was back in the 13th Doctor. But, nonetheless, if you watch Doctor Who, it's the story of an exile from an alien race who stole a little box and went out into the universe and just found terrible things happening and decided to fix it. So if you are into a character who is, and I'm going to say it, essentially a superhero, I get yelled at every time I mention Doctor Who as a superhero. Always happens. I don't know why. But for you know, 57 years now, Doctor Who has been a superhero. Doctor Who has been traveling the universe. The character's name is not Doctor Who. You're going to yell at me for that, too. I don't care. It's that good a show. And if you say to me, what's the worst thing that ever happened to the Doctor? What's the worst thing in Doctor Who? I will guarantee you that whatever I say, you're going to find somebody across the room who says, that's the best. And I'll tell you right now that if you badmouth the Sixth Doctor, I will give you careful, thoughtful, rational reasons why maybe you should reconsider the Sixth Doctor. And then when you turn around, I'm going to give you the finger behind your back. But... Doctor Who is the kind of show where you can do that because it's very British and you have to be polite. And, you know, 14 different main characters later, the show is still on the air. I mean, 18 years it was gone, then it came back. Now it's been around for long enough that people are mad about the fact that it ever existed in the first place. And that's that's good science fiction, my friends. Travel the universe in a telephone booth. Bill and Ted will do it. Doctor Who did it first. Excellent. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Five sci-fi shows that are not Star Wars or Star Trek. Hopefully you found one on the list that maybe you haven't checked out before, that maybe you're interested in checking out, or maybe you had some on the list that you're like, oh yeah, that was on my list too. Well, we want to know what's on your list. Here's the best way to do it. Head over to the Major Spoilers Discord uh, server, and in the Top 5 channel, you can share your Top 5 list with so many other fascinating spoilerites. Everybody's there sharing their lists, sharing some suggestions for future episodes. Why? I think it's pretty obvious. Everybody loves a list. This podcast is copyright 2020 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.